Wow, that's helpful. Thank you. All right, how many of you are familiar with the Disney movie, The Jungle Book? Remember that movie, The Jungle Book, classic movie? Yes, yeah, some of you, all right. Uh, whenever we talk about the subject of sanctification, which is what I'm, well, we're going to talk about today, I think of the song from The Jungle Book. The song that I'm talking about goes a little something like this. I want to be like you. I want to be like you. I want to walk like you, talk like you too. All right. Do you remember that song? All right. If you don't remember it, I, I, I don't think it's because I didn't do the song justice. I think I... <laughs> I think I nailed it, right? <laughs> so as, as a father, there's nothing that, uh, that stirs my heart more than to hear one of my kids say something to the effect of, I want to be like you, dad. When, when, uh, when they were younger, they would say it a lot more than they do now as teenagers, right? <laughs> but on occasion, they won't, they won't explicitly say it, uh, but they make reference to something that you do, and, and they hope that one day to imitate that. You know, that's not, no longer a direct comment, but, uh, you know, it's still there. I can, I can see it. And, uh, and that's a good feeling. Uh, and, and truthfully, yeah, it is a good feeling, but it's also simultaneously terrifying, right? Because like it or not, uh, a father or mother teaches their kids things, uh, we're communicating things to them, and they're picking up those things, and it's shaping them and molding them. We're, we're in a sense, conforming them to our likeness, okay? Good or bad. And, uh, and they're becoming little reflections of us. I remember when my kids were, were much, much younger, I would go out uh, and cut the grass. And after I'd been out there a little while, I'd find that I'd have someone shadowing me, right? My son would go out and get his little tiny toy lawnmower and, and literally follow in my footsteps. Um, and uh, my lawnmower would actually cut grass. His would not. His would blow bubbles, right? <laughs> And, and then he would be out there, uh, you know, cutting the grass. And also he would go to a corner and he really looked like, and he was acting like this is, this is effective what I'm doing. And, uh, and it was just, he was just trying to be like me. He just wanted to be like me. And that, that again, as I said, stirs your heart as a, as a parent. And he was at literally at times following in my footsteps, um, imitating me. And this, uh, just like the Jungle Book song, also reminds me of sanctification. We're still in this study that we're calling One Thing, uh, where we try and answer one question each week, one concept that hopefully has one simple answer to go along with it, with that one simple question. And, uh, and, and whether you know it or not, we've also been a in a series within a series. Uh, and uh, this is a three-part mini-series, this being the last of the three parts. Two weeks ago, we answered the question, what is justification? Then last week, we answered the question, what is adoption? And uh, this week, we're now covering the question of what is sanctification? And the reason we're looking at all three of these subjects together is that these three subjects tell us uh, what it is to be saved. You know, we talk a lot about that in Christian circles. You're saved. This is what tells us that we're, we're saved. As a person who is a Christian, if you are a Christian, if you believe in the saving work of Jesus Christ, that, that he lived a perfectly righteous life and gave you credit for it, right, and, and, and forgiveness of your sins to go with it, if you believe that, then, then you necessarily experience all three of these things that we're talking about, justification, adoption, and sanctification. Now, if you'll remember the last two weeks that we were looking at uh, justification and adoption, we put the definitions up here on the screen, and we said both justification and adoption, those definitions started the same. Do you remember this? Justification is an act of God's free grace. Adoption is an act of God's free grace. And then now when we get into sanctification, that's a little bit different. Do you remember the distinction? Sanctification is a work. Oh, you remembered. I'm so proud of you all. That's great. Uh, uh, sanctification is a work 
of God's free grace. And we'll get, we'll get into exactly what we mean by work in, in just a moment. But, but do you remember what specifically it was that defines what we mean by an act? What's another word we were using for an act of God's free grace? An act is also a declaration. Remember, I did that thing last week that looked kind of like me vomiting when I was actually trying to mime declaring. It's a declaration. It's a declaration. When you are saved, God, and we can say immediately, we can say that he immediately declares that you are justified and he immediately declares that you are adopted. There's no waiting period, as it were. Once you profess your belief in the saving power of Jesus Christ, the status of being declared righteous and forgiven uh, and adopted into the family of God is conferred upon you immediately. There's no changing that, okay? It's permanent and irreversible. But sanctification, sanctification now, sanctification is a work of God's free grace, a work that's different than an act, isn't it? Okay, but before we get into the answer of what sanctification is, the, the technical definition that we've been pulling from the Westminster Shorter Catechism, let's talk about the word itself. Does anyone want to tell us what the word sanctification means? Generally speaking, when we talk about sanctification, what are we talking about? Does anyone have a, a guess or a, or a knowledgeable answer, informed or otherwise? What's your guess? What, is what do we mean by sanctification? Purify. That's a, I think that's a good, uh, a good uh, uh, guess and a good uh, answer. Yeah. Maturing. Say again. Maturing. Maturing. Yeah, we're, we're, I think we're getting there. We're starting to zero in on it. Say it again. Becoming more Christ-like. What is Christ? You know, if we, if we could identify Christ in the word, is Christ uh, just an average guy or is he? Perf he's not only perfect. He's perfect. He's what? He's what? Divine. We're, we're nearing in on it. Someone said, I heard it. Holy. Holiness is the word we're looking for. Hey, Winston, how you doing? Hey, well, my mom and dad are talking with other people. <laughs> <laughs> mom and dad are talking with other people. Well, we're glad that you get time by. Hey, yeah. Is that coffee that you're holding or a chocolate? Okay. All right. We're, we're talking about sanctification today. Okay. And sanctification is, is a, is a translation of the Greek word. Okay. Hagiosmos. Okay. Which means holiness. All right. See if you can remember that. I'm going to ask you at the end of the day, what does sanctification mean? And you're going to tell me holiness. Okay. Can you do that? All right, right on. Okay, so even more literally, even more literally, when we talk about holiness, we mean a separation. Okay, a separation. So to sanctify something means to set it apart for special use, to set it apart. Okay, so when we talk about a person being sanctified, we're talking about the process of making them holy. Okay, the process of setting them apart, setting them aside, separating them from what, what, uh, what we might think of as impure. All right. So sanctification is the process of making a person holy. So let's put the whole uh, question and definition up here. Okay, what is sanctification? Sanctification is the work of God's free grace, whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and are enabled more and more to die into sin and live unto righteousness. Now, the first thing that we have to highlight here is what we've already mentioned, that sanctification is a work, all right? It's not an act, it's a work. Uh, what the confession is getting at here when it says sanctification is a work, uh, the word um, work is a mixed bag sometimes in, in Christian thought, you know, because we, we tend to think that, oh, works are bad. Yep, not necessarily. Works are bad if you're using them to, to earn your salvation. But otherwise, as James tells us, you know, faith without works is dead. So works are a good thing because they're a byproduct of what has 
internally happened, you know, a change that has already internally happened, okay? So uh, what we're saying then when we say it's a work, here, here's the main difference. A word, the word act implies, again, like we've already said, something that's all been done at once, okay? Uh, the word work implies this is not something that's done all at once, but happens over time, okay? But first things first, the word, the work of sanctification begins with an inward change, all right? The work of sanctification begins with an inward change. And this inward change, inward change is the work of, whose work is this? The Holy Spirit, God, okay? That inward change is the work of, of God himself, all right? We'll sometimes call this work regeneration. Uh, look what it says in Colossians 3. This is Colossians 3, um, 9 to 10. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. The point we're trying to highlight here is the process of putting off the old and putting on the new self. This is a process. Renewal is something that doesn't happen all at once. You know, it's a, it's a gradual change. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago that my oldest son is now 15 years old. And what that means is that I've got an up and coming driver. All right. It's funny to me because, and I think this is a generational uh, thing, generational thing. But uh, when I turned 15, I was at the DMV the day of my birthday. I was there. I was there ready to go with, I was ready. Same with you, right? I was ready or not. I'm like, give it to me. I'm, I want my license to drive. Whereas uh, the generation now seems to be like, well, you know, if I get it, when I get it, that's great. Because when he turned, he's, he turned 15 back in March, I said, when do you want to get your learner's permit? He says, how about this summer? I'm like, okay, that's, that's good with me. Whatever works uh, when you're ready. Well, he, his, his school year ended on Friday. So that means his summer has begun. And earlier this week, he asked me if we could go get his permit now. All right. So, so things just got real in our house. Right. So I told him we could get it perhaps on, on the, this coming up Friday. Now, what do I expect to happen? He'll take a test. Right. I believe he'll, I believe he'll pass that test. And then what happens? The state of Tennessee will give him a license to drive. He will then be able to legally operate a motor vehicle on any of the roads in, in uh, Tennessee, I suppose any of the roads in the, in the nation. Isn't that how it works? You know, once you have a study in the whole nation, he can drive on any road. Uh, you know, the status of legal driver has been conferred upon him. All right. But has he arrived as a driver? You got that right. <laughs> Meaning the process isn't done for him. All right. No, there, there's still a long way to go, though he's a legal driver though he's allowed to be behind the wheel, is he a good driver? Okay, he'll probably say, yes, of course I am. I've driven go-karts and I have a video game that, that helps me drive. But what's the reality? He's still got a lot, there's still a lot to learn. There's still a lot to learn. He needs to learn to parallel park. How many of you are masters at parallel parking? Correction, how many of you are not masters? At, and you've had years, to, years of practice, right? It's, it's an acquire, it's an art. It's an art, okay? It's not easy. I know, again, I know a lot of people that can't do that. He needs, he needs to learn how to merge onto the highway, you know, on highway traffic. That's, I feel like, again, I, I encounter people all the time who still don't know how to merge onto the highway uh, and to change lanes. There's, there's still a lot to be learned, okay? What, will he ever finally arrive and become the perfect driver? No, no, he won't, okay? Not, not even 20 years from now. Uh, if he drives, I mean, I, I'm still prone to making error as a driver, and I've been driving now for well, a while. <laughs> okay, it will still be possible for him to make a mistake. Uh, he'll be a better driver over time, 
but he won't, he won't be the perfect driver. So along those lines, when a person is regenerated, okay, when he passes from death to life, death unto life, in other words, he's no longer under the dominion of sin. Sin no longer has a hold of him in terms of his status. He is fully accepted in the, he's got the license fully accepted into the family of God, is forever a son of God. He is forever forgiven and is legally declared righteous. However, however, the power of sin is not entirely gone. All right? The power of sin is not entirely gone. And uh, the, what, the, what, what the process of sanctification does, okay? Just like my son becoming a better driver, sanctification is a work of the Holy Spirit where, where it's a gradual process. It happens over time, okay, where the new nature more and more is able to overcome the remaining power of indwelling sin. Uh, we as Christians over time become better drivers, as it were, okay, you see? So that's the first point that we want to make about sanctification. Sanctification is a gradual process. This is a gradual process. Um, just like, uh, unlike, unlike justification and adoption, which are instantaneous declarations, uh, sanctification is a gradual process. So far, so good. Haven't understand that much so far. It's a gradual process. The next point we want to make about sanctification, sanctification is a war, okay, or, it's, or it's a battle, you might think of it. It's a war or a battle. I don't know how many of you are, have, have struggled with, uh, with dieting. I, I've been a yo-yo in that uh, regard my whole life, it seems. And, and, and part of the problem, and I tell this to my kids, yes, I hope you enjoy the fact that you can eat 17 meals a day right now and somehow not gain a single pound, right? But eventually that comes to an end, all right? Uh, for some, it comes to an end in their 20s. For some, it comes to an end in their 30s. And if somehow you make it to your 40s and you're still able to do that, you're on borrowed time, okay? It, uh, that, doesn't, that, that doesn't last forever. I'm sorry. Even if you make it that far, if that describes you again, you're on borrowed time. Any minute now, it's going to catch up with you. Um, I remember when I was in college, I had a job at a department store that would keep me there until closing, which was at nine o'clock, okay? And then I'd come home by 9.20, and uh, 9.20 or so, and it was, it was time to eat dinner. So 9.20 p.m. was my dinner time. Uh, if I eat anything after nine o'clock now, it's going to be a miserable night. That's how it works. So I'd get home, and I remember I would heat up a frozen pizza, a modest-sized uh, pizza. Well, soon I discovered that a single pizza was not enough. Uh, so I'd make two of those pizzas at 9.30 at night, and I would eat all of it. Well, it wasn't too long after that where I said, you know what? Really, really two pizzas is not enough. Uh, I should make three pizzas for myself at 9.30 at night. And so you know what? I did. And you know what? I felt great. I felt great afterwards. No big deal. No big deal. And, and can I tell you what happened if I ate three frozen pizzas right now at 9.30 at night? I believe I would die. <laughs> And if I didn't, I would ask myself, why, why did I do that? <laughs> why did I do that? I'm at the stage now in my life where, where I'm conscious of, every, conscious of every bite that I put in my mouth. I have to exercise something they call portion control, okay? I can't eat too many carbs. I can eat fat, but it has to be the good kind of fat. I need protein. You got to have protein. And I need to drink lots of water. Got to have all that water. Point being, if I was to eat a whole pizza now, any time of day, right, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be at peace with myself, <laughs> right? I'd actually be upset with myself. Why, why did you do that? Why did you do that? I'm about to feel awful for a long time, okay? First John 3, 9 says this, no one born of God makes practice, makes a practice of sinning for God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. A regeneration, a regenerated person, okay, cannot live in peace 
with sin. When, when, when the regenerated person sins, they aren't at peace. Okay. When, when a person's heart has been changed and, and is more and more conformed to the image of Christ, it's not possible for sin to have dominion. It's not possible. It, it, is it possible still to sin? Yes. Yes. But that sin will not have dominion, meaning the believer is not pleased with their sin. And in fact, if you've ever found yourself in a repeated pattern of sin, it's not uncommon at all to hate yourself or feeling like you hate yourself for sinning or for being angry at yourself for sinning. Why? Why did I do that again? Okay. A regenerated person will always be fighting with himself. Why? Because they grow to hate your own. You grow to hate your own sin. You know, the thought of me eating a whole pizza right now makes me ill. Just the thought of it. Okay, three frozen, three frozen pizzas at that. You know, they're not the best quality, the frozen pizzas. Three frozen pizzas right now. If, if you were to torture me to, to eat a whole DeSanos pizza, I might be able to subject myself to that torture. I'll, I'll suffer for it. But I'll still be mad at myself for doing it, right? And, and I just won't be as mad if it's a DeSanos pizza. If you haven't tried DeSanos pizza, go there yesterday, okay? In Romans chapter seven, Paul goes on a long, what seems like a, a diatribe on himself. And, and, and if Paul the apostle, spokesperson for God, right? Is he a sinner? You better believe it. Yes, he is. In Romans 7.15, he says, for I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. And then later in the same rant, verse 24, he says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? He goes on to answer that in the next verse by saying, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. But the point being, and what Paul is describing here is a war. It's a battle, okay? A battle with the flesh, a war between what has been declared about you that is righteous, declared righteous and forgiven, and, and the remaining and indwelling sin, right? Conflict, okay? And over time, yes, more and more gradually, you grow to hate it and you become more cognizant of it. Just like the food that I eat, you start to become aware of every morsel to the point that you, you look at it as an enemy. Like, Ugh. And I know, <laughs> I hate to describe food that way. I really do, because I still kind of love it. That's the problem. Every analogy breaks down after a point, right? There's still so much that I love about food, including uh, DeSano's pizza, as I noted earlier. But the thought of sin, the thought of sin, I hate it. I hate it. And, 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 and I hate when I do it. I, I can very much identify with Paul when he says, wretched man that I am. But, but here's the wonderful thing. Here's the wonderful thing. The wonderful thing is that just like Paul, I know that I will ultimately have victory through Jesus. It's a slow process. It's a slow process, but it's a certain outcome. Okay. Do you understand that much so far? We got those two points, two points. It's, it's very, it's gradual happens over time. And what it's a, it's a war. It's a battle. It's a daily battle. Okay. Uh, so here's what, any questions on that much so far before we go on? We good? We'll have more questions at the end too. Okay. So here's what we got so far. Sanctification is a gradual process. Sanctification is a war. And here's a third one. See if you remember this from the other week. Sanctification is synergistic. Okay. Do you remember what we talked about? We've talked about this the other week. I think we were talking about uh, justification. Justification, the act, right? where you're declared righteous, and when salvation is applied to you, that is not a synergistic work. That is a what kind of work? Did you say it again? 
monergistic. It's monergistic, monergistic. Justification and adoption are monergistic works. Uh, whereas sanctification is a synergistic work. What do we mean by that? What do you think synergistic means? If we understand what mono means, monergistic, what is synergistic means? Works together in Congress with something else or in, in, uh, in a, uh, um, a work that involves more than one party. Those parties being you and, and the Lord, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, all of them. <laughs> okay, some of you know this, but uh, some of you don't, but my mom uh, was born in Mexico. Now, she's a naturalized citizen, and she is very uh, proud to tell you that she immigrated here legally. And, and when she was very young, uh, she and her whole family uh, came to the United States. But ever since then, the United States has, has been her home. Uh, but her first language, along with the rest of her family, uh, was Spanish. My dad, on the other hand, he was born in Pennsylvania. And what that means is that I grew up in such a way that I was exposed to things of, of both cultures. And we regularly went to Mexico to visit my grandparents. My grandparents regularly visit us in the United States. Uh, speaking Spanish was a regular occurrence for me growing up. And I wouldn't say that I mastered the language, uh, but I can make my way around. Like, for instance, if I forget the word for watch, I can say all the words that it's the clock thing that has hands and I can you know, describe for you the word that I can't I can't think of, you know, that I can't remember. So, so right now in our home, my younger son is taking Spanish. Only three more days left of school and, and Spanish is one of the ones he's taking. And, and to his credit, he's doing very well. I told him early on, there's absolutely no reason you can't make an A in this class because you have more tutors than you can shake a stick at, you know, between all your family members, okay? So you, you, gotta, you, gotta, you gotta do well in this, there's no excuse. Now, quite often, quite often, after a long day at work, and yes, when you work at a church, there are long days at work sometimes, all right, believe it or not, I'll come home and I'm probably like a lot of you ready to turn off for the day, right? Turn off. But, but even though I'm ready to turn off, my son says to me, dad, I need some help with my Spanish homework, okay? Again, after a long day, the last thing I wanna do is homework, okay? But I told him that, I, that he can ask me anytime. But here, here's the danger of asking me to help with a homework when I'm tired from a long day of work write this down. <laughs> Here's your answer. Okay. What's number two? Write this down. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna tell you the answers. All right. <laughs> As you see how dangerous that can be right there. There's a word for that. It's uh, cheating. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> So as much as I tell them that, that I can help them, right? You know, uh, I, I also tell them, listen, I want you to try and figure out the answer first. Before you just come to me and say, dad, what's the answer to number two? Try and figure it out first. Try and figure it out first. Then tell me the answer and then I'll help steer you in the right direction, okay? When we speak about sanctification being a, a synergistic work, all right, that means sanctification is a work in which man cooperates with God. Both God and man are active here. It doesn't mean that the, the work of man is equal with that of God. It isn't. It isn't. Though we cooperate with God, God gets the credit for man's sanctification, all right? See, just like me helping my son with his Spanish, I, I certainly could do it all, couldn't I? I could just take the sheet out of his hand and say, give me about two minutes and I'd be done. I'd be done. Go watch TV while I do this, okay? But instead, what am I doing? I'm sitting with him uh, for about 30 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes, and he's doing the work, but I'm also coaching him. I'm, I'm pushing him. I'm stretching him. You know, why am I doing that? Why am I doing that? Because I actually want him to learn Spanish. I want him to learn Spanish. Philippians 2, uh, 12 and 13, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, 
think of me helping my son with Spanish here, you know, but also much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You see, we're told to do the Spanish homework ourselves. You do it. I want you to do it. You do it. Okay. Struggle with it. Learn it. Wrestle with it. It's going to take you. It's going to take longer to do this. It's going to take you longer to do it than if I were to do it. But you need to know how to do it. So, so we're told to purify ourselves. But at the same time, we have to remember who enables us to do this. Verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And see, see, that's the beauty of it. We're told to do it ourselves, uh, but we have a tutor who sits beside us to make sure that, that we get to ultimately wherever we need to be. All right. Even, even when I help my son do his homework, do you think my son ever has to use his eraser? Oh yeah. Even when I sit beside him, I, I will watch him sometimes write down the wrong answer and I'll tell him, no, that's not it. <laughs> and he'll, he'll wear that eraser down to its nub. Now, why do I let him do that? Why would I let him do that? There's value in it. There's value even in, in doing the wrong thing. There's even value in getting the wrong answer because this, this is making an impression upon his mind to say, okay, then what is the right answer? It's an, it's an exercise. And again, I, I could just tell him the answer is estamos or whatever, right? But instead, no, I want you to, to conjugate the verb yourself. What does it mean? What does it mean? Third person plural. What is it? Come on. You know, I'm not asking you guys. This is, this is what it sounds like to be in, in our house, all right? So even when I help my son do his homework, yes, he uses his eraser. He uses it all the time, plenty of mistakes, but I'm not going to let him get up from that chair. I'm not going to let him get up from that chair until he gets to the right place. And that's my job as I sit beside him. Okay. And, and this is the ultimate, this is the ultimate affirmation of sanctification. Okay. Sometimes, sometimes it's going to feel like you're not getting it right. This is the wonder of sanctification. Sometimes it feels like you're not going to get it right. You're not going to, sometimes it's going to feel like you're not growing in holiness. Sometimes it's going to feel like you've, you've worn your eraser down to the wood because you've made so many mistakes. But, but here's the ultimate affirmation also from Philippians. This is from the first chapter. I know you know this verse and I'm sure of this. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, see there? He who, he who justified you, he who adopted you, all right, by their own irreversible declaration will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He, he's going to make sure our Spanish homework gets done, even though, you know, we're the one with a pencil in our hands. He's doing it, all right? Now, let me stop there and see if what, uh, what questions do you have about sanctification? You can ask me about justification, adoption, sanctification, any of those, or anything that we've talked about here. What questions do you have or thoughts, comments, anything? You guys got it? <laughs> do I need to check your homework to see if you're... So, I mean, I was just thinking, is like, I remember, you know, Peter looks at John and goes, well, how is he going to die? Jesus says, that's not your business. Mm -hmm. You know, and lots of times we're going, well, she's more holy. She's more patient. She's, she's got that. She's biblically... And there's days, like you said, you're just like, I'm getting nowhere. Like I said two weeks ago, patience. Mm -hmm. I mean, as soon as I pray for that, I'm stuck in traffic. Yep. Or I'm late to pick up my sister at <laughs> the airport. And I'm like, I'm not, I still got a D in the grade. You know? mm -hmm. but, um, it's one of those things sometimes. What I mean, sanctification is 
different for each of us too. Absolutely. Like that level of mm-hmm. arriving at our death before we see the Lord. That's you know? right. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so you can't impose your sanctifying process to a certain extent on your kids because God's working things out. I mean, you see how different they are. That's right. That's a great point. That's a great way to see. Remember, we talked about this the last couple of weeks. Every time we talk about justification or adoption, we talked about it both. And when my brother was here a couple of weeks ago, and we were trying to make the distinction that that my uh, the way I look at my children, my children are my children. They will always be my children, even when I uh, discipline them. You know, even if they do something horribly wrong and I, and I have to punish them for that or discipline them, you know, we were making those distinctions. That status is, is secure. They're always going to be mine. You know, I don't, I don't care what they do. They're going to be my children forever. There's nothing going to change that. Okay. But the way that I exercise discipline on them, it's not even going to look the same between my two children. The way that I discipline my son, uh, Jack, may not be the same way I discipline my son, Logan. I may offer incentives to this child that I don't offer this one and vice versa, because again, they're, they're different people. They're different personalities. They're at different, they're at different stages in their, in their learning. And it's the same thing. It'd be like if, if uh, my younger son said, dad, why can't I get to drive now? Right? Well, you know, you're at a different stage in life and it works the same way with our, with our sanctification. If we go on comparing ourselves to one another, yeah, you're going to drive yourself batty. Uh, because again, we're, we're all at different places in terms of sanctification. And that, that is between you and, and your heavenly father and how he brings you along in that process. So great point. Don't, don't get into the business of comparison. You focus on your relationship with, with, uh, with the father and, uh, and growing in, in, in holiness, uh, you know, between you two. And yes, of course, it's going to involve community and everything like that. But again, for comparison's sake, you best stick with your, your own sanctification and, and worry less about your brother's sanctification. Well, you do, you do. You still, I still worry about, for, you know, my, my brother Spencer here. I want to, I want to make sure that he is growing in holiness too. But, uh, but as for comparing between the two of us, are we at the same level? That's where we start to get into trouble. But anyone else, someone else? Yes, sir. Gene. I'm just sitting and thinking about the fact what you said earlier is so true of all of us. We look at people and kind of hate our standards. Mm-hmm. And I did that a whole, whole, whole lot mm-hmm. over my life. Um, but I believe that's very counterproductive. It's very counterproductive. Gene is saying it's very counter. He got to the point where he was hating his sin, uh, but he believes it's very counterproductive to, to hate your sin. Give me, give me a little further. Okay, so Paul tells us that but not all things, all things are permissible. Not all things are beneficial, right? Mm-hmm. So the reality is that as we start focusing on how awful we are, mm-hmm. we take our eyes off of God mm-hmm. and, and the real work, which is submission. Mm-hmm. We start trying to do it ourselves. Yeah. I, I think there, there is a subtle difference here that we need to uh, have a delineation for. And that is the difference between hating self and hating our sin. Okay, the Bible absolutely calls us to hate our sin. And, uh, but not, you know, that doesn't mean we should uh, beat ourselves up. I think that's the point where we, we have to remind ourselves, yes, I hate my sin. But number one, justification and adoption. My status is secure. And because of that alone, because my status is secure as a child of God, irreversibly, that, that gives me value. That means there's, there's something good happening within me, not of myself but of, of God himself. So yes, making the distinction between hating the sin and hating self. I think that that's an important distinction to make. Uh, um, hang on one second. Yes, sir. You shared that, you know, because that's common. I mean, I've experienced that too. One thing that's helped 
axiom of righteousness is in Christ, and constantly go back to the gospel, the other piece is your new creation in Christ. Yeah, your um, new creation in Christ. Uh -huh. I can turn that into legalism. So mm -hmm. like, I don't feel like a new creation. I keep struggling with this. Mm -hmm. I think what Satan likes to do is say, you're going to be fine by your struggle. Mm -hmm. so you are, you never change. And I have to remind myself, it tells me I'm, I'm a new creation now. I experience the process. Mm -hmm. But that is something I've used in my own life against that, you know, Satan just crushes you to hate yourself. It's like a process. Your new creation is working in you. Yeah, that, the, the comment was it's talking about the, the idea that we're told we are a new creation in Christ. Right. And uh, and that what Satan likes to do is, is remind us that uh, how did, what did you say that again? You said it was uh, Satan likes to remind us this is who you are. This is what defines you. Yeah. Right. But again, even when you think about it in terms of, of, of being a new creation, what the creation itself, you know, it wasn't instantaneous. Right. It was a process, too. But you are. And that language is very specific. Paul is, is, is saying new creation there uh, and comparing you to being so I would say born again. And just as, as those who are born again, you don't, when you're born, you don't uh, come out of the, the womb walking and talking and, you know, hello, my babe, and all that, all the thing. You don't do that. You, there's still a lot to be learned. There's still a lot of growing to be done. All right. But, but again, and this is why we looked at it in three parts, justification, adoption, sanctification. Those first two, a, a justification and adoption. Those are acts of God. So whenever Satan does like to remind you that you're, you're, you're defined by your failures, you're saying, no. My definition comes from the fact that there was an act of God declared that makes me irreversibly and unchangeably adopted into the family of God. That is my status. That is what defines me, not my failures. Uh, but again, this is a process, but those things that define me, those acts that have been declared over me, that's unchangeable. Satan, all right? Oh, that's going to get me fired up. Yes, Winston. Hey, Winston, let me ask you a question. What... Do we mean by sanctification? Um, it Almost. Holy. Holiness. Yes, you got it. Yes, you got it. You got it. Good job. Good job. Did you have another question? Uh, yeah. We make a sin. It's God is bigger than one tiny sin. So when we think of guilt, we're actually thinking of a tiny thing that God can outnumber by just like a finger. That, oh, it's, that is, you are so. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you how right you are about that. This is what this is what this is what we tend to do when we when we sin. You know, and then we 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 talk about being defined by our sin. What we tend to do is we want to say. Uh, I, I need to suffer for my sin. I need to, I need to pay for my sin. And see, this is, this is where we can start devolving into, some, into workspace righteousness. Because if we say that, if we say, I have to now suffer for my sins, I have to now pay for my sin, what are we saying? What's, what Winston was saying right there, we're saying that what, what Jesus did was not enough. And, and, and if we say that now, now we're saying, well, now I have to add to what Jesus did. And now we're back into workspace righteousness. And this is why I have to come to a place where we're secure in the idea that every sin, it is, it is little, you know, in that, in that sense that, that, that God, yes, can handle it. God erases all of them. Even, even the biggest sins that we do are still eliminated, are still erased, not erased, absorbed. You know, Jesus Christ carried the weight of those sins too. Uh, and so anytime we, we try and remind ourselves that we have to suffer for that, I got to pay for that sin. 
We have to stop and check ourselves. No, punishment is done. Punishment is done for the Christian. Punishment is done. And I know we were talking about this the other week, punishment from the, the wrath standpoint. We're still subject to discipline, but in terms of your acceptance, just the same way I discipline my child, I still discipline them, right? But I don't do it out of wrath. I do it out of love. It's a much different process, much different uh, uh, end that we're trying to get to, okay? Great comment. I love that comment. Yes, sir, Dan. Yeah, yeah. Easy for us to get into the guilt and stay there. Mm -hmm. But, and we know that we have to act as if it's our responsibility. Mm -hmm. We know that God has the peace with us too. That's right. And like your son had to come to you to learn, he had to realize, mm -hmm. he had to come to you to learn Spanish mm -hmm. for help. We have to go to the Holy Spirit to God and ask him for help. Mm -hmm. And he says, if we seek him, he will give us what we ask for. That's right. If we seek him, he will give us what we ask for. And give us power to overcome. And that's why I say it is a synergistic, uh, it is a synergistic work here in that, yes, the, the, we are called to repentance. We are called to a change of behavior. Okay. But even that we have to realize is still enabled. We're enabled to do that through the power of the Holy Spirit, not, not ourselves. But again, again, he could, he could right now just sanctify us all and, and it's over. But instead he calls us again to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Right. And that is, that is no small task. That is no small order. Fear and trembling, you know, again, <laughs> these are not light, light words that the, that the apostle is, is using. You know, we're, we're told, we're called into something and it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But yes, we're called to action here in terms of sanctification. Okay. Anyone else? Thoughts, comments? Hey, what time is it? All right, we've got about 10 minutes, 12 minutes before the service. And as always, we say every time, if you struggle with this or anything else, let me know. I'm happy to work through these things uh, with you, either privately, individually, or whatever, okay? Um, let me close this in a word of prayer, and then uh, we'll be dismissed. Our dear Heavenly Father, once again, we, uh, we thank you. We thank you that you've, you've done all of this. Uh, you've, you've given us justification. You've adopted us. And, uh, and Father, you've called us into this process of sanctification, and we get to grow and learn and be stretched and see the benefit, even, even the things that, uh, that cause us pain, that, that give us tears, that, uh, uh, that we wish sometimes weren't there. But even that, as your word tells us, all things uh, work together for the good of those who, who love you and called according to your purpose. That's everything, everything under the sun. And we thank you for that, that uh, we can walk through life knowing that whatever it is we face, face good or bad, uh, that it has a sanctifying purpose for it, that you're using even that to set us aside for your holiness and for your, your, your purposes. Uh, we thank you that you call us to that. Help us to realize that, help us to remember it, and help us to, to practice it every single day. Thank you for your son, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you, guys. <laughs>